Step right up, ladies and gentlemen, and see the strangest human abnormalities ever exhibited by man. We have bearded ladies, pinhead siblings, Siamese twins, and a calcified baby. We have the half-man, half-woman, contortionist, and a lady so fat she has to be pushed around in a wheelbarrow. We have sword swallowers and fire breathers, a human torso, and even Cuckoo the Bird Lady. Nothing you've ever imagined could prepare you for today's episode as we present a history of circus sideshow oddities and abnormalities in slums of film history, Freak Show. This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and schools the other. We discuss everything from Satanists to avenging hookers to castration. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Tom. Hey, Slate. How are you? Oh, man, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Well, I've been wanting to do today's episode for a long time because, you know, I love circus freaks. Oh, I knew I knew that. Yeah. I always have. Since I, you were a wee lad. <laughs> since I was a wee head. I also, I don't really talk about it in the episode, but around the time that we became friends, the Jim Rose Sideshow Circus started to happen. I think it was something that started in Lollapalooza. Oh, okay, yeah. You remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know what you mean. It, they didn't really have any, like, real freaks. It was more like, I think a guy, like, swung weights from a hook in his dick um, and then there was that <laughs> the old dick hook guy. I love that <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, I take Graham onto that one. The guy, the Enigma, that was tattooed with puzzle pieces all over his yeah, body. Yeah, yeah, okay. And remember that they did an episode of X Files where Mulder and Scully go to the town in Florida. It's a fictional town in yeah. Florida, but it's a but it is an actual real town where yeah. circus side show people go to kind of retire. I forgot to about find that. a murderer, but the murderer was actually it was kind of like the basket case plot. The okay, murderer yeah, yeah. was his conjoined twin, twin that was getting away at night and killing people okay so all of that all of the stars in it were were people from the jim rose sideshow i didn't realize that yeah so i think that was one of the reasons why i think i was obsessed with it when i was younger and i don't really talk about it but anyway i thought i would bring that up because they were kind of like the second coming of the circus sideshows in the 90s but all right you want to get into the episode do you have anything you want to talk about no no i want to hear some freaks man i have to start by saying please excuse me because i'm calling people freak shows today and that's not right that's that's wrong but i'm I'm doing it anyway just mainly you know for a laugh that's Um, fine yeah yeah. also i need to clarify that i'm only talking about freaks that perform in circus sideshows gotcha so someone that has some abnormalities like dwarfism or conjoined twins or like a bearded lady it's not enough to be in this episode sure they must be part of a circus or some type of exploitative act Gotcha. I'm also going to talk about the history, but let's start with talking about there's three different types of freak shows. Okay. The first is the acts that have people doing freakish things that they've learned along the way to shock people. So that's like sword swallowers, fire breathers, um, you know, people that walk on like beds of glass or nails or fire or something like that. Yeah. Acrobats, contortionists, people that eat gross things. The second is body modifiers. So Okay, yeah, yeah. So those are people like tattooed people, which isn't really a thing anymore. 
anymore because you could just go to Williamsburg. Right. But, you know, Pierce people also not really a thing. Right. But the third type is the thing that we're going to talk about the most today, and that is people that were born with deformities or abnormalities that perform as human curiosities as a means to make a living. Sure. These people will include what we call midgets, um, but now we call dwarves, as you explained to me. Extremely tall help. people, conjoined twins, people with microcephaly. That's <laughs> pinheads. Okay. Do you have pictures? I could provide you with pictures. Because that sounds weird. But it's it's actually, it's what babies are being born with now from Zika virus. So it's where you're born with an abnormal sized head, but it also comes with some brain deformities. Too. Gotcha. Or people born without arms or legs, really any type of physical abnormality. Sure, yeah, That's yeah. What yeah. We're talking about. The display of these people for profit, aka freak shows, yeah. have been around for hundreds of years. Okay. The first freak shows recorded in history were in the mid-1500s in England. Really? Really? And the first freaks were Lazarus and Johannes Baptista Clorido, and they were conjoined twins from Italy. Oh, wow. Where um, are they conjoined at? Not in Italy. I know they're in Italy. <laughs> in Italy. In Italy. Oh, sorry. That's where they were thought... conjoined. Yeah. yeah. Well, so Lazarus was actually pretty normal, um, and they said that he was even kind of handsome, but Johannes was just a mass of bone and skins that protruded from his chest. So he was like a normal person, but then it looked kind of like the middle of his body threw up another person. This other thrown up person person was not like conscious right it was just like right well so technically he was probably more like a parasitic twin oh yeah he didn't speak or really have much face functionality but he could like wince if you touched this conjoined twin's face, he would like go, he would like wince a little bit. Wow. Yeah. So they toured together and that's how they made a living. They toured the world. That was kind of like the first one. He also kept a little, when he was in public, he would just kind of like drape a blanket over his conjoined twin so that people couldn't see it, especially for free because it right. was a paying act. Also in the late 1600s, this guy, Matthias Buckinger, was born without feet or arms, but he became famous for his traveling magic shows penmanship he didn't have hands and huh. ability to play numerous musical instruments that's amazing yeah but it wasn't until pt barnum came around that the circus sideshow would reach kind of mainstream status sure yeah pt barnum created the first american oddities museum that focused on weird things that he would buy in addition to acts that he would then often tour and you know take around the world these yeah. acts were usually dwarves, albinos, giants, and fat people that he would dress in funny costumes and give fantastical backstories to upsell tickets. In 1870, he established a traveling circus, which would prove to be the format of what most TV shows and film, things like American Horror Story, Carnival, the, right. the book and movie, Water for Elephants, use as kind of like the format of the freak show. Typically, they would be a tent show featuring like exotic animals, acrobats, jugglers, clowns, and such, what we know is to be the circus show. Yeah. But then there were also <clears throat> smaller tents that featured games and smaller shows and curiosities. Sometimes it could be like dancing women, you know, for just like adults only, like naked ladies. Sure or fake creatures like the Fiji mermaid. That was a monkey head that was grafted on a fishtail. Um, and they were like, it's a mermaid. Um, or like a fetus in a jar of formaldehyde. <laughs> And Terrible. it's kind of like these tents on the side of the main attractions had freaks that people could pay additional money to see. So hence sideshows. Main act, 
freaks were in the side. A few of the most famous freaks were Zip the Pinhead, and he was an African-American man who had a large face but very small pointed head, often billed as the missing link between humans and monkeys. Wow. Schlitzy was also a pinhead that didn't mature past three years old that performed for most of his life, sometimes billed as a man, sometimes billed as a woman. And then Chang and Eng were conjoined twins from Thailand that eventually married sisters and had 21 children between them. And of course, Joseph Merrick, the elephant man. Yeah, yeah, Joe Merrick. We're going to talk about all of this in a bit. Okay. So freaks were, needless to say, not a popular topic in early film history. I imagine. But there were a few films in the late 20s and early 30s that managed to sneak in before the Hays Code would be enforced in 1933. Yep. One of the first horror movies ever made, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, in 1920, features a sideshow tent where a psychic freak sinambulist, that's Sleepwalker, I had to look yeah. it up, predicts the death of a man who gets murdered later that night. But the first actual freak in a movie was Todd Browning's The Unknown from 1927. Oh, okay. The Unknown is a silent film starring Lon Chaney. Remember him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the original Phantom of the Opera. Yep. And a risque Joan Crawford. Ooh. Um, and it was about a backstage love triangle in the circus. The plot's kind of complicated, but simplified. Lon Chaney is an armless wonder who does everything with his feet, including throwing knives at Joan Crawford as part of his act. You know, where they're, or like a knife thrower. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Did you uh, see this movie? Yeah, yeah. How did they make him look armless? Well, so I'm glad you asked. So since Lon Chaney has arms he trained with a guy that didn't have arms um, and then used him also as his double in the film so his gotcha. name is Paul Dismuke so Paul Dismuke was a circus performer but kind of what they did was okay so Lon Chaney is like sitting here and he's like oh I don't have any arms I'm wearing a shirt that's covering my arms yeah and then he would be like sitting, he was actually standing like in a box and then Paul Desmuke's legs were sticking out of the box and then his legs would throw the swords and do all of the stuff. Oh, huh. So it made, it was kind of two people playing the role as one. Interesting. Yeah, it's really, it's kind of cool. Yeah. There was also a film called The Sideshow from 1928, which I couldn't find anywhere, which centers around a circus that is being attacked by a competitive circus and a dwarf who's in love with a regular sized woman who doesn't love him back. The cast includes a variety of different freaks, but it also includes Paul Dismuke from The Unknown. I'm moving on, but one really interesting thing that I found out about the movie The Unknown, so they thought that it was lost, you know, forever. Yeah. But they actually found it in France, and it was like, it was labeled along with all of these other film cans, Unknown. So huh. that's why they couldn't find it, because the title of it was actually The Unknown. The it unknown. was titled correctly, but it was oh. it was placed with all the I other wish movies we could figure that out were what just the said. The film was. Right. I wish we yeah. knew what the the it's the name of this movie. Right. Oh, shit. Yeah. Only we knew. Unknown. And then came the movie Freaks. We didn't lie to you, folks. We told you we had living, breathing monstrosities. You laughed at them. Shuddered at them. They did not ask to be brought into the world. But into the world they came. Their code is a law unto themselves. Offend one... And you offend them all. Oh, yeah. Todd Browning's 1932 horror film Freaks is not only one of the most notorious films ever made, it's also probably the most exploitative. Did I say that right? Exploitative. Exploitative. 
exploitation-oriented portrayals well of done. the circus sideshow life in film. That's correct. So you've seen Freaks? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. So. It's great. So here's a little bit of a background, which I actually didn't know. Todd Browning was actually circus people. He ran away to join the circus when he was 16 and spent most of his young life amongst circus folk. He then moved to vaudeville and finally to film, so he seemed like kind of the perfect person to bring the private life of the sideshows to the screen. Sure. He directed the original Dracula with Bela Lugosi, which, duh, was like, you know, not only a huge hit with critics, but made a fortune and became one of the most famous horror movies ever made. MGM was looking for something even scarier, even more shocking than Dracula. So they selected Browning to make Freaks based on the circus background. And then there was this short story. It was based off called Spurs. And of course, he had already made The Unknown. So he had already made a film that was kind of like circus oriented. Yeah. yeah. So brief plot summary on Freaks. Okay. At a traveling circus sideshow, a small dwarf man named Hans falls in love with a normal-sized woman acrobat. Cleopatra is her name. She's in love with the strongman Hercules, and together they plot for her to marry Hans. He's got a lot of money, and so they're going to slowly poison him, and then once they're married, he'll die, and then they'll get all of his money. Gotcha. All goes well until the other sideshow performers learn of the plot, and then they seek their revenge on the two. What ends up happening to Cleopatra at the end is perhaps one of the most unsettling scenes in film history, and part of the reason why the movie claimed to have been banned in 43 countries, including the UK, where it was actually banned for 30 years. Oh. So Freaks went into test screenings, and it was a disaster from the start. <laughs> I, can't, I wonder why. <laughs> One woman tried to sue the film for giving her a miscarriage. Um, the studio... Sc- <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's fucked up. The studios scrambled to try to, like, fix their investment. They cut almost 30 minutes out of it, okay. and then they tacked on a new, happier ending to try to appease unhappy and like shocked theater goers it completely didn't work it wasn't just the ending that like upset so many people and we'll talk about the ending in a second okay yeah but freaks used real sideshow performers and it was really shocking to theater goers yeah among the freaks were the human torso so that was a man with no arms or legs that moved around by wiggling like a worm a few different pinheads that could barely communicate yeah an unfortunate looking blind woman that was dressed to emulate a large bird all of these people were actually sideshow performers but she was cuckoo the bird lady johnny eck a handsome man that was missing pretty much everything from the waist down and walked on his hands and then the hilton sisters those were two conjoined twin sisters so these were oddities that were usually only seen in the back tents of the circus and certainly weren't like highbrow theater going movie fare that you know that people were used to seeing they didn't come off as like interesting human interest stories they were they were sad and they were they also portrayed them as being dangerous and people were very upset by it i bet it's fucked up the deleted scenes are likely lost forever but if the original script on the internet is correct which it appears to be the scenes that were cut from the bulk of the film were to soften the non-freak characters a little bit okay there's a lot of debate about the original intent of freaks but it's pretty clear that it's supposed to show the freaks as normal and the normal as ruthless conniving monsters gotcha but the revenge scene at the end where the freaks all descended upon hercules and cleo was also heavily censored okay so we do see cleo at the end do you remember what they turned her into (laughs) one of us
Yeah, well, it was yeah, one of us. But I don't remember how, how what they did exactly. It's they only show her for a second, but she they turn her into like a duck lady. So she's like part woman, part duck, and she is just like in misery, being like, quack, quack, quack. <laughs> Believe it or not, there she is. <laughs> And we never see Hercules again. But what the script says is what happened was next to her, he was performing, but he was singing soprano. So they had castrated him. Oh, wow. I don't remember the duck. Did they just put a costume on her or what did they do to her? It was, it's, I mean, I remember the first time I saw it, I went, oh God, oh dear. But what was it? I mean, she would, they transformed her, you know, with early special effects to try to look like a duck lady. Okay. Okay, So I pulled a, I pulled a clip for you. Are you ready? That's her, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, she wow. Was a, she was a duck lady. Yeah, she was. She was quite feathery duck-esque. Mm-hmm. That was kind of, that was fucking freaky. Yeah. Freak. Freaky. Yeah. Freak. Freak. So people, and namely critics, hated the film. And they say it was one of the f- the films that actually got the Hollywood production code to start enforcing outright censorship of films. Huh. It bombed at the box office and it ruined Todd Browning's career for the rest of his life. It also, the studios got stricter about what they greenlit after Freaks. And it disappeared for many, many years until the early 60s and it kind of got a revival. It's now considered considered not to be just a cult classic, but a classic in itself from yeah. a time before the studios were self-regulating themselves and it was still possible to do a shocking movie. Yeah. It now has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good job, yeah. freaks. If you haven't seen it, listeners, it's a class. I mean, it's it's a yeah. wonderful I need to film. watch it again. Yeah. It's been a long time. And I forgot about the duck part. So Freaks combined with the production code pretty much shut down the future of any freak shows in a major motion picture for nearly 30 years. Yeah. But on an interesting side note, the Hilton sisters that were a B-plot in Freaks continued to work. The Hilton sisters, Daisy and Violet, were conjoined twins born in 1908 and purchased by a bar owner and taught to perform at an early age. So how do you purchase a conjoined twin? So basically what happened was... Because I don't see them on Craigslist anywhere. Uh-huh, and I no, look And I, I look all the time. If you ever see one just scoop them <laughs> oh, up. Oh no, it's yeah. worth it. I'm, yeah. yeah. I, I think the story was that she was a, okay. that the woman that bought her was a bar owner. The woman that, that had the baby is obviously no, you know, the father like left or sure, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. She was just like, I could make money off of these twins. And the, and the woman that had them was like, yeah, take them. You know, see, that's the golden age of commerce back then. You yeah. know, you could sell your conjoined twin and, and make a, a hefty little profit. Yeah. It's frowned upon now. So they mostly stayed out of the sideshows. They opted in said for like singing and playing instruments in vaudeville shows okay they were a huge success in their younger days but by the time freaks came out in 1932 their act was kind of starting to fade yeah one of the main spectacles about seeing freak acts like the Hilton sisters was the ability to see them with your own eyes. Seeing them on film and TV just wasn't really the same. Yeah. And freak shows had fallen out of fashion too. By the early fifties, a lot more was known about medicine. So the crazy backstories that made freaks so appealing in the 1800s just seemed silly at sure. that point. Yeah. And when you knew that these crazy stories weren't true, paying to gawk at someone less fortunate than you seemed wrong all of a sudden. Oh, 
that combined with TV and film pretty much killed vaudeville and in essence the freak show as well. Right. Having no other means for work and in their mid 40s the Hilton sisters made a film called Chained for Life in 1952. <laughs> Here is the strangest of love stories. Chained for Life. You are in love with him. Yes. And he's in love with me. I do now pronounce you man and wife. The strangest marriage the law has ever permitted. Murder. Murder that baffled justice. A case that has no precedent in the history of the courts. Because until death, they are chained for life. It's a pretty dismal attempt at reviving their career. It sounds like it. Yeah, the plot, one of the sisters kills the other's husband, and now no one can decide whether to send neither or both to jail. Pretty standard B-film plot for the time. In context, this was only a year before Ed Wood's Glenn or Glenda came out. So yeah. this was kind of the at the height of B-pictures. A yeah, big no movie, and then following it up with a B-picture to sell a, you know, a, a double feature. Yeah, sure. This is sad. They toured it to drive in theaters across America so they would show up and talk and answer questions and then show the film but it was a huge flop uh-huh. uh, and it's now usually listed as one of the worst films of all time really they died in 1969 a couple days apart in North Carolina but one of the interesting things is if you want to know more about them there's actually a movie that's streaming on Netflix right now it's a documentary oh really called bound by flesh from 2012 it's it's sad you know it's a sad kind of portrayal of yeah uh, I, of them but it's sad. fascinating I'm but you, so I take it you watched it. I've seen it like five times. Yeah. So questions: mm-hmm. A, where were they conjoined? And they not- were conjoined at the side, and they were actually they were the only thing that I think they shared was a liver. At this point, they could probably be separated, but at that time they couldn't. Right. How does that? This is morbid, but no. one of them died, and the other one took. I knew you were going to ask. Well, yeah. who wouldn't ask that? That's fucking fucked up. So in North Carolina, where they ended up living, they were grocery store like checkout girls, and yeah. they had like a special way that they could each assist a customer, like separate customers at the oh, yeah. time. Yeah, there was like some type of flu, you know, type thing that went through and one of them got it. And, you know, they found him a couple days later. But yeah, it seems like I think Violet died first and then Daisy just had to wait a couple more days until she died. Since they were attached, I think they were attached at the liver, you know, at at some point her body, you know, shut down because the other part of the liver wasn't working. But yeah, they said it was a couple days apart. So she had to lie there while her dead, with her dead sister for a couple days. It was bad. I'm gonna go stand out in traffic now. This is depressing. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll turn it around. I'll make these freak shows happy for you. Please. All right. Thank you. So a few movies in the 60s and 70s would use freak show themes as exploitation. Sure. Um, There's a movie called Circus of Horrors from 19. I've heard of that. I said it wrong. Circus of Horrors, not Circus of Horrors. Oh, I love Circus of Horrors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's um, watched it all the time when I was a teenager. So it revolved around a deranged plastic surgeon that fixes the faces of unattractive women, but then forces them to be the sexy women in the circus that he owns. Okay. When they try to escape, he kills them. I love a sexy woman circus, by the way. Uh-huh. It's my favorite circus. Remember when I said that freaks got a bit of renewed attention in the early 60s? Yeah. So one of the people that saw it for the first time was Dave Friedman. He was the producer of Blood Feast from 1963. Oh, yeah, Blood Feast. He wrote a script and basically remade it in 1967, now called She Freak. Pretty much the same plot. A woman joins a circus as a waitress sure. at the concession stands, but hates the freak shows. They eventually come for her and they turn her into 
a pretty revolting freak at the end. It doesn't really have the same sting as the original, but for a f- shitty low-budget remake, it's a pretty fun watch. Nice. And then, of course, there's John Waters' Multiple Maniacs from 1970, oh, wow. his second film after Mondo Trasho. Multiple Maniacs has Divine running the Calvocate of Perversions, <laughs> where she leads spectators in to see the puke eater. That's someone that pukes, then picks it up, and then eats it, and then pukes it back out, and then picks it up and eats it. Is that shown um, in the movie? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not real, you know. I know, I know, but um, still. Actual queers that's in uh, quotation marks um, and mental patients uh, <laughs> this show is free but once inside once they're inside she robs them at gunpoint I have a uh, question mm-hmm. was there like some sort of controversy over false queers like they were like those aren't real and, and, and they wanted their money back at the, the circus I don't think so I think okay. yeah these were they she just said actual okay queers. sure yeah, just, yeah. Uh, there's a level of authenticity no in sure well I think also like at that at that time queers was like you remember if you watch movies and they'll be like he's queer and it was also like a little weird it just meant odd I like, think that oh. by divine saying actual queer That's she a queer was occurrence saying, right it was like yeah not like a queer occurrence but it was like a guy kissing another guy okay. you know like a real queer come on come on you'll see two actual queers kissing each other like lovers on the lips these are actual queers so it wasn't until 1980 that freaks started to get some of the respect that they you know rightly deserved uh, yeah remember when i told you that about the tides changing in the late 1800s when freak shows kind of started to fall out of fashion yeah, yeah yeah so one of the major reasons was because of joseph merrick or the elephant man gotcha we're talking about real life right now yeah yeah yeah. Um, so joseph merrick was born a normal child but after a few years started to grow weird like lumps and stuff on his body he eventually allegedly agreed to exhibit himself at sideshows in london to make a living for himself it was very hard for him to do really anything else he he was a glove salesman he tried to work at a factory but he just was very uh, he had a lot of problems right no i know he was eventually taken into a hospital where he lived and then became a part of elite london society until his death in uh, 1890 the story of the elephant man has fascinated people since his discovery yeah he was frequently front page news in the late 1800s and had a lot of really high profile friends. The Princess of Wales visited him in the hospital and sent him a Christmas card every year. Oh, wow. The famous Broadway actress Madge Kendall championed him and gave him a signed frame picture, which he cherished. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Jackson tried to purchase his bones from the hospital that where was he weird. lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Mark Hamill and David Bowie both played him without makeup on Broadway. Huh. And then Billy Crudup revived the role in 2002 and Bradley Cooper played him in 2014. So the uh-huh. elephant man has really has left his mark on on society. People are yeah. fascinated with him. I also know where you're going with this. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. David Lynch yep. turned this story into an, a wonderful movie in it's 1980. Great movie. After his first exper- uh, experimental film, Eraserhead, which we talked about in our episode on Bad Babies, the elephant man stars Anthony Hopkins, Anne Bancroft, and John Hurt as the elephant man, uh, who they call John Merrick, not Joseph. Yeah. You've seen it, obviously. Yeah, but it's been so long. And I was a kid when I watched it, and so it was David Lynch, for one. Yeah, yeah. And the subject matter and it was this weird but i knew it was a good movie i yeah. knew i haven't watched this as an adult and i know i need to it's just one it's, of the ones i know it's a good movie yeah well it's i mean it's wonderful it's one one of my favorites of all time one of the great things was that it i mean it's a david lynch movie but it's it really shows him as not just being a nutbag you right. know he can actually direct a really straightforward and, and beautiful film he actually fought a lot of fights and and won most of them the movie was shot in black and white i remember that he really wanted to do and obviously studios hate that also kind of has this kind of like dream like 
like it's very Eraserhead style opening mm-hmm. and closing of the movie mm-hmm. where it kind of shows John Merrick's mother kind of being attacked by an elephant, which was the story of how he got to be the way. But but otherwise, it's it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. The rough plot, the elephant man is on display at a sideshow in London where a doctor, that's Anthony Hopkins, sees him. Yeah. He pays the guy that is showing him to examine him and also to show the hospital staff. And that's kind of one of the most classic scenes of the movie. You remember he's standing behind, we never see him as the audience. Right. We only see him behind a curtain. They kind of remove the curtain so that everyone in the audience can see, but we as they the can. film goer can't see it. It's right. a classic scene. He eventually comes to live at the hospital where Anthony Hopkins realizes that he's an actual normally functioned man. He's even kind of smart, very polite. Yeah, He hobnobs with society and is generally delightful until the guy that was showing him steals him back. So at this time in real life, but also in the movie, police were shutting down sideshows because yeah. they were either scams or they were inhumane. And I just noted Michigan actually has a law against exhibiting human deformities unless for medical purposes. So it was like a real thing that they were like, this should not be legal. So in the movie, they go overseas, but Merrick gets sick and he can barely perform. They keep him locked in a cage at the circus. And the other is actually a really nice scene. A lot of the other freaks from the circus go and help him break out of the cage. Oh, I they, forgot all about that. Yeah, so it's it's a kind of a lovely scene where all of these, you know, freaks kind of band together. Were they together. played with by, by people with real deformities and stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's usually in these cases, it's like, it's dwarves. You know, oh, gotcha, very, gotcha. very small people, very, very tall people. And then kind of like a bearded lady, which probably wasn't real. You know, it was probably right, somebody sure, with sure. a bearded lady. Or with a beard glued on. But anyway, he does end up making it back to London. He's all covered in kind of like a t- like a mask, like a tarp mask with like an eye hole. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they unmask him at the train station because he like causes a stir. And they all like gather around him. They're kind of treating him like an animal. You know, they're backing him into a corner. And that's where he yells out. And he ends up getting back to the hospital where he spends the rest of his life until he dies in his sleep at 27. So that's kind of like the plot of the movie. So The Elephant Man ended up being a huge hit and is one of David Lynch's best reviewed films to date. It was nominated for eight Oscars. It didn't yeah. win any. But including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actor for John Hurt, it did manage to pick up Best Picture and Best Actor at the BAFTAs, though. But for the purposes of this episode, it was really one of the first and only films about freaks that was done in kind of a sympathetic, non-exploitation way. Sure. Freak shows were, of course, meant to make money, so even if the freak on display was relatively normal in all ways except one, um, that didn't really make for a great show. It was better if the audience thought that they spoke like exotic or made up languages, ate raw meat, or had the brain of a child. And to be honest, most of the other films in this episode are more like exploitation films because films are kind of similar to sideshows. You pay to see something different and unique and exciting, which is kind of great because I'm up to the 80s and there were some pretty great freak show movies in the 80s. Also out in 1980, but very different from The Elephant Man was the movie called Carney. I remember Carney. Uh Do you remember who was in it? No. It was a young Jodie Foster, (gasps) Gary Busey as a heckling clown in a dunk tank, and Robbie Robertson as the guy that makes deals with town officials to keep the circus open. Okay, yeah. 
I watched it. Pretty bad, um, huh? Well, it's, I mean, to be honest, it's almost like a, do- more like a documentary type of thing. Oh, really? Like, it's sympathetic to carnies and freaks alike. It's, but it's kind of like a watered down version. It's kind of like a melodrama at the circus. And <laughs> it kind of makes the circus look a little boring. Wow. Like, the circus has one job, which is to be really exciting. And this movie was like, Boring circus. The Fun House was Toby Hooper's circus horror movie. I remember Fun House. Yeah. Um, so where after watching a freak show, a bunch of teenagers spend the night in a haunted ride and get knocked off by a deranged serial killer monster. Nice. Something Wicked This Way comes from 1983 was a film version of the Ray Bradbury novel where circus freaks preyed off of the dreams and fears of its patrons. Have oh, you yeah. seen this? Mm-hmm. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Well, 83, but yeah. And then Waxwork came out in 1988. Have you seen Waxwork? No, but I'm, I saw that you watched them. I watched three Waxworks movies. That was probably a mistake. But your life was enhanced by yeah. that. It's not really a freak show theme, so I'll kind of skim over. But I will say that the idea of a wax museum is pretty close to a sideshow. Sure. The original movie was Waxworks in 1924, which was a German kind of like silent move, silent horror movie, where in dream sequences, a man enters the scenes from a wax museum where the statues come to life. In the remake in 1988, a group of teens, of course, got to be a teen movie. If it's of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Should be. Yeah. They enter a wax museum, and as they step over the ropes into the scenes, they enter the world in which the scene was taken. It's not a great movie, uh, although I think it's a pretty great premise. Like, that's, yeah, I like, I that's like the, the ideas. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I did note that Waxwork and Waxworth 2 both star Zach Galligan, and he was the guy from Gremlins. Oh, he was, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. All right, nice. One of my favorite freak show movies is Big Top Pee-wee from 1988. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... Yeah. You win on that one. So Big Top Pee-wee was a sort of sequel to the crazy, successful Pee-wee's Big Adventure, directed by Tim Burton. Full disclosure, I, I love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I do. I mean, it's it's, it's great. great. I like, I mean, yeah. and I'm actually about to talk about how much I love Big Top Pee-wee. Like, that's how much really? I love Really? Because I didn't watch it because I heard it sucked. It's bad, but I loved it. Sorry, continue. All right, so the rough plot is Pee-wee... It's so funny to talk about. Here's the plot of a Pee-wee. Wee Herman movie. There's really no plot, but sure. So he lives on a farm for some reason, of course, um, and yeah. he has a pretty boring life. All of a sudden, a huge storm comes through town, and it blows a circus onto Pee Wee's farm. It's so, like, like the circus shows up on his farm. He goes into a storm shelter and is like, "Oh my god!" That's my impression of Pee Wee Herman. That's not very accurate. Good. Well not done. Very good. Yeah. And then he, when he's Dead like, on. "Okay, now I'm gonna like come out and like look, the storm's At over, the and there's destruction of the storm, and, and there's like a, a circus, circus. there." Yeah. Uh, wow. It has it's sort of like Wizard of Oz in reverse. Like kind it, of. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah kind gotcha. of. So it has everything a circus has. It has acrobats, clowns. It has Duke the Dog Face Boy, which is played by Benicio del Toro. Um, a fat lady, a bearded lady, a hermaphrodite, a contortionist, conjoined twins, and a mermaid that lives in a tank. Wow. The provincial townspeople reject the circus freaks, but Pee Wee loves them and lets them put on a show on his property, inspiring them to create an American farmed themed circus show. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the Cabrini Circus proudly presents Pee Wee Herman. Doesn't look like he's found his niche yet. Pee-wee. Big Top Pee-wee wasn't nearly as successful or good as Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but it's one of my favorites of all the freak show movies I talk about today simply because it has so many like stupid, different, hilarious freaks. But of all of them, my favorite was Susan Tyrell in the role of Midge Montana, who's the ringmaster who's Chris Christopherson's tiny wife. I say tiny because she's like six inches tall. Huh. Um, and I just found that to be the funniest thing I had ever seen. It was really? like, and here's my little wife. And she's like, Hi, I'm the little wife. 
wife. She was six inches tall. I don't know why I found that so funny. But on a side note, Midge, played by Susan Tyrell, was in John Waters' Crybaby and Angel and Angel <gasps> Avenged, which we talked about in Hooker Vengeance. Yeah, nice. One of my favorite cult movies that no one has ever heard of is Alejandro Jodorowsky's Senesangra from 1988. Yeah, no one's ever heard of that. I know, I know, it's crazy. Right, no one. So Jodorowsky's most famous movie was the runaway midnight movie hit El Topo from 1970, but he made a few more batshit crazy films, thank God. Senesangra is a surrealist film about a man whose entire life is entranced in some forms of sideshow freakdom, told in two parts, one where he's a boy and one where he's a man. So this is kind of crazy. You're just going to have to humor me on this one okay all right so i'm excited as a boy he's raised by his father who runs a mexican traveling circus sure his mother has left to join a fanatic cult who worships a dead saint that has no arms once their temple is torn down the mother returns to the circus where she finds that her husband has been cheating on her with the contortionist tattoo lady Mm -hmm. she naturally throws acid on his genitals causing him to cut off both of her arms kind of like the saint that she worships okay so now we're in presence day the boy is grown up and must be his mother's arms she stands and tells stories and sings while he stands behind her and gestures at her vaudeville type show so like he is her arms okay so she performs and she's like i'm singing a song and he's painted his nails you know whatever and he's, and he's the arms and, yeah. and doing the you know thing right so sana sangra just meanwhile is not for the faint of heart it was originally given an nc-17 rating on release in america and has some really genuinely shocking and unorthodox moments if we I know what scene you're going to talk about oh One great so there's an elephant funeral procession mm-hmm. a father ties his eight year old son up and gives him a huge chest tattoo of an eagle a group of men with down syndrome are given cocaine and then disappear with a very large prostitute a man rips off his own ear and tries to make a deaf girl eat it and then spoiler alert tattoo contortionist woman gets murdered in the bloodiest stab scene you've ever ah, seen in your entire ah, life that's awful it's mm-hmm. so fucking terrible Ugh, I love and, it. And, I, and I'm not gonna watch it yeah i love that movie i know jodorowsky's circus covers a pretty wide variety of freak show moments from mimes and clowns to a dwarf this is a common character in his films um dwarves are usually kind of sidekicks to main characters do you remember in el topo which we talked about a little bit i think i'm getting this right there is a kind of dwarf character that has no arms and then there's also a dwarf character that has no legs and together they do things together um faintly yeah man i would have talked about it but of course that doesn't meet the criteria of being a performing sideshow. So I'll talk about that later. There's even a man in female drag or possibly a transgender person that is a Lucha Libra. It would probably be an exploitation film, but every person in a Jodorowsky film is a freak show, so you can't really like fault him for that. No, fair enough. The 90s saw a few interesting freak show movies like the sixth sequel to The Howling in The Howling 6, The Freaks from 1991. This one was straight to video and had a werewolf, vampire, and circus freak show plot. Wow, they just went for it, didn't uh-huh. they? They really did. In 1992, the sequel to Michael Keaton's Batman, Batman Returns, yeah, yeah, had the penguin, Danny DeVito, yep. a child born with, presumably, we never see the child, but large beak nose and fins for hands that his parents get rid of. Yeah. Fun fact, mm-hmm. the father of that child was played by... Paul Rubens. Who was Pee Wee Herman. Herman. Yeah. Yeah. All right. little trivia there. Mm-hmm. 
So the Penguin is actually a pretty great character in the Batman yeah, series because he was a true freak. Yeah. He didn't acquire any special powers like Catwoman or Spider-Man or the Hulk. He was born with some deformities. Um, so his parents abandoned him and then he was raised by penguins in Gotham's Arctic world. It's only later that we find out that he was part of a traveling freak show circus called the Red Triangle Circus Group, where apparently some children went missing over the years. You remember this? No, no, I, no, I do not. Batman Returns is actually a pretty great movie. I just I like watched it, it recently. One of my co-workers brought it to me. I like it better than the first one, actually, yeah. of that series, those two. Well, I think one of the reasons why is because it was also directed by Tim Burton, which right. usually the director of an original rarely does the sequel. True. And it had a lot of circus elements to it. You know, you remember that uh, Tim Burton before this had done Beetlejuice, which yeah. wasn't a circus sideshow movie, but Beetlejuice had a, all of the circus, you know, kind of. It was very, uh, yeah, it was that kind of vibe. To yeah, it. and he was like a show, you know, I mean, he was he's like very, a sh- like a showman. And it had a lot of freaky, like spiritual, like, so it was kind of like a freak show, The Afterworld. Exactly, on, exactly, uh, yeah. Afterlife, so it whatever. made sense that that Tim Burton kind of brought this world into, into Batman. We're going to yeah, talk yeah. about Tim Burton again. So I'd never even heard of this movie called Freaked in 1993. Oh, I've heard of it, but I don't, I've never seen it. It's super, super weird. So it stars Randy Quaid and Alex Winter. That's Bill from Bill and Ted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brooke Shields is a daytime TV talk show host. And Mr. T's in it. It's kind of like a uh, MTV meets Liquid Television meets the movie Dead Alive. Oh, wow. It's really bizarre. So the rough plot, no clue. I tried to write the plot and I was just like, I just don't, I don't know. But it ends up kind of being like a famous teenage heartthrob and some other characters he meets along the way go to a freak show where they eventually end up as freaks as well. Huh. It has all kinds of amazing freaks, including Mr. T is a bearded lady. <laughs> it's got a pinhead, Bobcat Goldthwait. I might have seen this movie. You might have. It's so bizarre. And then shut it out of my head. Yeah. yeah. Bobcat Pursed Goldthwait it. plays Sockhead, which is a sock puppeted head. I know I didn't describe that weird because I don't know how I could I didn't know how to write what it was. He was a human being that where his head was was a hand that had a sock puppet over top of it. <laughs> and then at some point someone pulls the sock off of it and his head is just a hand. Oh. Uh-huh. Sure. It also has a human worm and an uncredited role for Keanu Reeves as Ortiz the dog boy. I, I got no comment. Uh, you're like, nothing, I've, got, nothing I've got nothing to say to, say to that. In yeah. addition, there is an actual dwarf that is Mihaly Michu Mizaros, who actually was the human in the ALF suit in ALF. Oh, good to know. But he was also in Waxworks and Big Top Peewee. Oh, wow. So he was right. a working uh, small person. Oh, good. There's a really low-budget horror movie that I could only find with Spanish dubbing called Sideshow from 2000, where terror is the main attraction. <laughs> It looks to be pretty standard teenagers go to a freak show and get picked off type of flick, but I thought I'd put it in there. I didn't watch it. Okay. One of the most mainstream freak show films was Tim Burton's Big Fish from 2003. Yeah. So rough plot, a man goes home to his dying father, who he resents since he constantly tells tall tales and acts like you're the truth. You've seen this one? I've seen parts of it. Through these tales, we learn of his father's life from circus worker to fighting in the Korean War to buying a town and fixing it up. Besides the normal circus sideshow freak fair, he meets Korean conjoined twins, Ping and Jing, and escapes back to America with them to make them huge stars. Ewan McGregor's in this, right? That's right. Okay, yeah. 
One of the most interesting things about Peng and Jing that's played by Arlena and Ada Tai is the way they're manipulated by CGI. This, I think, was the first time conjoined twins were digitally manipulated to seem actually conjoined. In this case, they had a normal body from the waist down, but then they had two separate upper trunks and two separate heads. Whereas in the past, conjoined twins were usually played by like two people that they like duct taped together and then just like sewed their outfits together. Sure. Have you seen American Horror Story Freak Show? No, I've never watched any of that show. Okay. Well, the same was kind of applied to Sarah Paulson's character. She has a normal body, but two heads completely created in CGI. Okay. So like instead of like having like her having it, the entire thing is a CGI thing where it looks like they have two heads as opposed to let's duct tape two women together. Together and tuck their arms in so they have the, yeah. Exactly. This seems totally normal now, but at the time I remember being really impressed, you know, in 2003 that, that they had paid the money for the CGI to make this look like real conjoined twins. Big Fish is a decent movie. I watched it again for this. It's very sentimental and probably a bit too sentimental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, I agree. It's not a prime Burton movie. No, it's got all the pieces. It's just like the story's a bit, yeah, meh. So that brings us up to the 2000s. Most of the movies from the 2000s are pretty low budget and bad. Dark Ride in 2006 was an attempt at a starring role for the Sopranos star Jamie Lynn Seigler. Okay. I watched it, but it was so bad that I kind of just forgot it. But I think that it was a group of friends that for some dumb reason hide or sleep in a closed up Jersey Shore freak show and they all get (laughs) killed except Jamie Lynn. Freak Show in 2007 was a shitty low budget attempt at remaking Freaks. Again, everyone's trying to remake Freaks. Yeah. Instead of a duck woman, they they turn that like rube lady that betrays the show into a worm woman okay but they actually show the process of cutting her limbs and like ripping her skin off it's super super gruesome but then the payoff i mean i guess they didn't have the budget enough to really make it a great end show where they show the worm lady it's just kind of shitty and then there was a 2009 sci-fi movie called carney that was attempting to bridge the carnival show with the jersey devil it stars lou diamond phillips so i'll just leave that there that's probably yeah Mm -hmm. that's all you need to say in 2010 there was a young adult movie version of the book Cirque du Freak, the vampire's assistant, where two teens go to a freak show and then one of them becomes a vampire. There are a variety of great freaks in the trailer, at least, including Willem Dafoe as a vampire, Selma Hayek as the bearded lady, and Jane Krasinski as Cormac Limbs, a woman who can cut off her body parts and they grow back immediately. Ooh, Mm -hmm. nice. The last big budget circus movie was in Water for Elephants from 2011. Okay. There weren't really many freak shows. It was kind of like more of like a love story melodrama. But I just noted it because I do love the old circus sideshows. And and that was a pretty romanticized version of it. But it was nice to see an old timey 1920s style circus. Right. You know, not a great movie, but it was fine. That brings us up to date. Okay. But I have a point that I kind of want to make. Oh, goody. Mm -hmm. So freak shows went out of style a long time ago for a few different reasons. One, we learned more about medical conditions as medicine matured, so these rare and unheard of kind of, you know, medical oddities no longer seemed so rare and unheard of because medicine was like, no, here's what it is. Two, modern medicine also made it more uncommon to give birth to a deformed child, at least in first world uh, countries. Yeah. And then three people, specifically Joseph Merrick, the elephant man, showed the world that just because you could have some problems on the outside didn't mean that you were also an imbecile. Modern society liked that story better, as it turned out. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. 
So, but now that natural born freaks or even diseases that a child might acquire early in life have all been eradicated, freak shows have only made a very small emergence back into culture. I'm going to say that's not just because we're better educated, because not all of us are, but the fact is circuses have fallen out of fashion because our idea of live entertainment has changed. Namely, once we stopped looking at odd humans, we looked at animals doing odd things. So animals like elephants, lions, you know, jumping through fire hoops at the circus, or whales doing flips and humans riding on dolphins at SeaWorld, that is now seen as like cruelty to animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, the most popular circus in the world isn't Ringling Brothers, it's Cirque du Soleil, right. a French mime circus with no animals. The only, you know, like stars of it are talented acrobats who we don't have to feel bad for. Oh, no. So sure, freak shows are a part of our past that we should probably be pretty embarrassed about, even though I'm not really because I'm obsessed with them. Yep. But we haven't only evolved to have a lot less risk of having someone born with a physical deformity. We've also evolved more to have empathy to handle it better when it does happen. So especially in cases of like thalidomide and now the Zika virus, like we're, we're better at handling a problem than being like quick put them on display and everybody point at them you know right so that's it that's freak shows in film i do have just a couple of honorable mentions um okay so the first one is um so fellini's la strada in 1954 was a circus movie that won best foreign film at the oscars i've never been a big fellini person it's a bit too Mm, highbrow for me yeah me too i didn't really talk about clowns um just because they are glad yeah just because they aren't really freaks but there is Killer Clowns from Outer Space, yeah, which is yeah, an old classic. Yeah. Um, Stephen King's It, obviously, yep. the killer clown. Um, and then there's uh, the movie Clown, Eli Roth's movie Clown. Oh, I just saw the commercial for that. It's great. It's actually a really good movie. Oh, you watched it? It was online. Yeah, they're oh, okay. finally like releasing it. But yeah, there was like a hacked version online that I saw. I actually <laughs> really enjoyed it. Again, not freak movies, but I thought, I can't talk about circus and not talk about murdering fair clowns. Fair enough, fair enough. And then there was also this movie called The Last Circus, which was a documentary, and it was a Spanish film about a family circus you know along with sideshows traveling through Mexico that's still trying to like make the circus thing happen of course it's very sad because it's it's over you know and they're still trying to keep this family tradition alive but anyway just a couple of honorable mentions Uh, so what do you think what did I miss well, I don't think you missed anything. Well, maybe, but I don't agree 100% that we've evolved beyond freak shows. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think it's because they've just transferred to a different medium and we look at different people as freaks now. Now, for instance, we still point at people and, and not mock at them, except now they have their own TV show and it's like there's Honey Boo Boo, which is a fucking freak show. But they have other shows like My 400 Pound Life where there's like a morbidly right. obese people that are bedridden and it's morbid curiosity that you watch these things. Right, it's a like modern quarters, freak show. Where it's and like these people have serious problems. And so you're yeah. watching, you're not watching them for anything other than you're, it's a modern freak show, in my opinion. Right. And I think, super interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think the same draw that the old school freak shows have, it's the same draw that these shows have today. That's my opinion. But I mean, it's, there's a lot of similarities there. Sure, it's not natural born deformities, but well, it's like right, cultural sure. deformities you can look at or disorders. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, we're always going to look at other humans and, and be fascinated by them. Right. It's just gone a little bit less from physical abnormalities. Sure. To, um, I mean, they had those two girls. It was like my conjoined life. That's not what it was called. My so-called conjoined life. That is not what it's called, everyone. But I know what you mean. You know what I mean? It was the two girls and they were in high school that were conjoined twins. There was a show about them. Yeah. And I would say that I think shows, they were being very sympathetic. Yeah, of course. Um, and so I could see that trying not to be exploitive, but there's always an exploitive aspect to it. You right, of course. You can't help but not have one. But again, as I mentioned, I mean, the reason why we go to the movies and the reason why we watch TV is to see something that our normal 
normal life is not providing us. Truth. So Truth. in that nature, every movie and every every TV show is a freak show. Oh, We're sure. always looking to see something that we can't see. We're all freaks. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple references. There's this book called Freak Show that I've actually read a couple times, not in relation to this, but it's called Freak Show by Robert Bogdan. It okay. actually goes freak by freak through all of the most famous freaks. It doesn't have anything to do with movies. It's just an interesting read. Right. But it talks about a lot of the freaks, the real ones, especially the ones from the movie Freaks. That's a really great read. And then, of course, I mentioned Bound by Flesh is streaming on Netflix right now, the documentary about the Hilton sisters. If you have a you know an hour and 20 minutes, it's a, it's a pretty interesting watch. So... Anything else? Just that you could probably use this episode as a drinking game for the word freak. Uh huh. I really had to say it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just something for you listeners at home. Yeah. Other than that, no, great episode. I learned a lot about freaks and freak shows. Great. So, uh, thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can view links to some of the movies we talk about today, along with pictures, videos, and additional resources, as well as Bad Movie Monday, our recommendation for the worst of the worst films every Monday night. If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies. 